0: Hey, everyone, welcome back to an all new edition of the 20% podcast, the podcast that brings you tips and tricks from industry professionals across all industries that you can implement in your current job today. Today's guest is Tom Alemo. By day, Tom is a growth account executive at Gong. And by night, he's the host of both the Millennial Sales and Revenue Collection podcast, where he helps salespeople at all stages of their sales journeys. Tom and I had a fantastic conversation. First, we talked about how Tom cut his teeth early in his sales career selling Cutco knives. And we also talked about the best ways to get out of a slump, the rep and manager alignment, why your company needs growth reps, the 5149 concept, being bold and dreaming, and much more. Enjoy this conversation with Tom Alemo. Tom, welcome to the show. Thanks for having
1: me, Tyler. Excited to be here.
0: I'm so pumped. And it's not often that I get to talk to another growth rep at another SaaS company. So, Tom, you just want to do a quick intro to to who Tom is, and and then we'll kind of jump into it from there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, Tom Alemo here. Uh, Some people refer to me as Tommy Tahoe. Um, I'm a growth uh, AE over at Gong. I host the Millennial Sales and co-host the Pavilion podcast. And uh, just obsessed with uh, personal development and trying to help you know other young salespeople succeed in their careers. So uh, excited to be here.
0: Yeah, I love it. I think we align really well, not only at the, the the job perspective. And I love Gong. So this is the first job that I'm really using it at Advidyard. So it's it's a super great tool. Giving my my um, unasked for plug for Tom. Um, <laughs> but uh, but anyway. I appreciate so, it. So I want to jump jump in, Tom. Uh, like I mentioned to you a little bit before, we were we're kind of chatting like. I want to hear early, Tom, of what you were doing. What kind of jobs did you start with? And, you know, what did the college thing look like? Let's let's kind of just start right there.
1: Yeah, well, um, we'll get to college in a second. I, I think the early, early days of me uh, was I had a sports magazine that I wrote in sixth grade and were, was selling subscriptions door to door in my neighborhood and to my family. So the days of Ah, uh, creating content in the days of selling uh, started early for sure. Um, but but I got my first real uh, sales job in college. Uh, I sold Cutco knives for a summer. I didn't really know what that meant. A lot of people listening probably have heard of them. They might own them. I feel like every parent bought one at some point from some kid in the neighborhood. Um, I didn't know anything about them, so I just saw a bright flyer on a grocery store parking lot that said. You know make money and work your own hours. And uh, as a freshman in college, it sounded pretty good for the summer. And so um, picked up the phone, got an interview, wore a full suit. Um, and uh, you know, within a couple of weeks, I was out there going into strangers' homes, uh, you know, cutting up different fruits and veggies, and uh, ended up doing really well that summer, uh, number seven in the New England for sales, made some good money and learn some of the basics of sales. So it was really the the
0: best way to start off a sales career, I think. So before we jump into some of the skills that you learned here, I want to hear like, so would you, would you get demos and then be able then go into somebody's house like scheduled? Or would you literally carry like fruit around in your backpack? And if somebody was ready to open the door, like, let me show you how this tomato cuts. How did that work?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it, here's the logistics of how it broke down. You weren't I don't know if it was a law or just what they, what they wanted. They didn't want you going door to door Uh, maybe because you're carrying knives. I don't know. Uh, So it's all cold. You learn how to cold call and you start with someone, you know, so I started with my aunt and then, you know, during each meeting, you're getting referrals at the end. And so your goal is to get walk out of that meeting with a sale and, or at least 15 to 20 different people with their phone numbers Uh, And you're call blitzing like every single morning or every single afternoon to try to book meetings. Um, And so ideally, you know, you're you're blitzing in the morning, you got three to five appointments throughout town uh, that you're driving to, and you might spend an hour or two in each person's home, you know, giving them the pitch. Uh, You cut up a penny. I like to like ask what they're cooking for dinner. And so we start kind of chopping things up that they might like. And, um, you know, at, at some point ask for the
0: sale. I love that. So you you learned even personalization to that specific person, right? So like early on, you could have just said, oh, I'm going to go in here and do the same pitch, the same deck that I've been doing to everybody else. But you took the time to personalize that. What other skills did you learn that were most effective in that early job that you would have thought, eh, maybe I don't need this later on in my life. But you realize now that that was important.
1: Yeah, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is goal setting, right? Like um, anyone that's been in sales at all knows the the more clear and concrete that you can set goals for yourself and personalize them, outside of what your quota is or whatever. You know, at Cutco, there's no quota, but uh, I had a manager that was walked me through. Hey, you know, if you want to be the number one rep, or if you want to earn, you know, a few thousand dollars or whatever it is that you want to do, here's how you're gonna do it. And here's how we break that into small steps, and we accomplish that every single week. And you know, really kind of took me under his wing to do that. Right. Um, and that's invaluable in sales. If you're only going off of the quota that your company gives you, you're really not you're really not making the most of the situation. If if you but if you have this car that you want to buy, or if you're trying to save money for a down payment on a house, or you're getting into the real estate game and want to buy a, a, a something, or you just you know, like these new Air Jordans, whatever it might be. If you have a goal that you're trying to hit, I think it just makes it a lot easier to get there. Um, and, and the second piece to your point is really trying to personalize. I, I tried to sell to my grandfather, who's been uh, an entrepreneur for for a very long time, and I think he he might have bought a knife, but he spent like an hour with me after critiquing my demo because it was all going through like a a binder walking through the company history. He's like, no, you got to ask questions. You got to stay curious. You got to like, he was the one that gave me the idea to, you know, understand what people were cooking that night and then get into it with them and then let them, you know, cut for themselves and see how, how it works. So I think the personalization and the goal setting are two that definitely uh, stand out to me.
0: Wow. I love that coaching on the spot too. what, how many customers are actually going to take the time to to teach you as well. So I love that Tom. And that, that is, that's really cool. I didn't realize that you had to go and do some of the, the appointment setting and stuff or, or not at least go door to door. That's, that's invaluable. I'm sure so many people like I know I would have never done that growing up. And, and that's, I'm sure it was probably gutsy, but you probably learned so much kind of learning from that. So moving into to college, what did you, what did you study in college? And I know you were a, a tennis team captain as well. What did, what did college look like for you?
1: Yep. So I went to uh, the beautiful Stonehill college A small, like 2,500 person liberal arts school outside of Boston. And, um, you know, the main reason I went there, honestly, uh, was that I wanted to play tennis. I wanted to stay close enough to home where my parents could go and and watch a match. Uh, And I got some, uh, you know, uh, scholarship money to go there. It was the only place that was going to pay me to uh, or or pay for part of my tuition. So that's why I went there. Um, I studied marketing, uh, majored in marketing and minored in entrepreneurship. And um, really, until that Cutco example, I, I didn't even know sales or B2B sales was a job. So I, I had no idea truly what I wanted to do until that moment. Um, but I did that, played tennis for four years. Uh, like you said, was the captain. Uh, yeah, jo- tennis is definitely one of the, the joys uh, and one of my main hobbies in life. And um, you know the lessons of anyone playing a sport and trying to master a craft is uh, you know is unbelievable as a kid and
0: and teenager growing up. I love that. So obviously, being a team captain, I'm sure you you learned some of the leadership that you're going to take on later on in some of your sales management and even even in your growth role right now. I'm sure you're you're probably still um, helping from a leadership perspective too. But um, what did what did being a tennis captain teach you about leadership at that? you know, college age. Yeah. I mean, tennis is a unique
1: sport, right? And I don't know if, if you've ever played or anyone else has, but you know, a lot of sports that we play growing up, especially in America, like basketball, soccer, hockey, baseball, some of the key ones, there's so many people on the team and tennis. It's just you out there on the court. You're the individual right? So contributor, right? The individual <laughs> contributor. So it, it, it truly, there's not many sports like that. You know, maybe like swimming comes to mind and, and a handful of others, but not many, where you're out there and if you win, it's because you did well. If you lost, it's because you weren't good enough. And it's, it's as simple as that. You can't blame anyone else. And so I think leading a team like that is very is a very sensitive endeavor, right? Um, and you have to be able to kind of merge the individual contributor aspect and bring everyone together as a team, even though some people might only care about their own stats or their own wins. But you have to get them to see the bigger picture. And, um, for me, like that was one of the, the most fun years I've probably ever had was when I was leading the team and captaining the team, because it kind of goes back to one of the reasons why I do all this podcast work and the blog work is like, I love seeing other people succeed and hitting their goals and achieving their own potential or, or more than what they thought they could do. And to me, that's just like the greatest joy, um, or one of the greatest joys you
0: can have in life is seeing people and helping them do that. Absolutely. So diving into that, I mean, I know you mentioned goals a couple times now. Um, how do you go about setting your own goals, and how to, how to ultimately do you help other people in setting some of theirs as well, whether it's sales or just life in general?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm definitely a meticulous uh, planner and goal setter. So I, I'm, I'm old school. I got my note, my Moleskine notebook here, um, and so I set goals out um, every year, and then um, I break them out into quarterly and monthly goals. Um, and it might change throughout the year what I'm trying to accomplish. But what I really try to do is, is pick one big thing in each of my main, I call them like a life bucket. You know, like there's your finance bucket, there's your work bucket, there's your relationship, your health, um, and your spiritual bucket, right? So there's what, five or six different things. And uh, one big thing that I'm trying to tackle each year, break it down into smaller chunks. And then every single week on Sunday night, like what's what's one main thing that I can do that's going to get me closer to that goal, whatever it might be?
0: Wow, I love that. And I, ne- I never even thought about siloing that stuff. I know I have a couple goals here and there that I'll write down, like for the year. But I never even thought of like siloing at those out. Now, do you do you try to put stuff in your calendar specifically to say, okay, I'm slacking in the spirituality area. Maybe I need to do X, Y, and Z more. Like, does that do you get as granular as that as well?
1: I do. I mean, I I do put things like that in my calendar, maybe more for like working out, right. It's easy to skip like a workout or, you know, I like to play tennis and run and do different things. So I feel like if something's in the calendar, you're more likely to do it. But I also have a, a big, uh, it's under a bunch of stuff, but like this big calendar, you know, that like you, you might put on a wall or something mm-hmm. that will remind me for like life events. Like I'm someone that want to dot dives into work a lot. Right. So I might forget, Hey, you know, once every two months, like go see your family, you know, cause I'm on the other side of the country for most people in my family. Right. Or, you know, reminders like, Hey, once a month, go somewhere new, like go, even if it's just down the coast, a little bit in California, like go check out a different beach you've never been to or something like that. So I do try to pencil some of those in, um, just as reminders, because it's easy to get kind of off kilter and off balance when
0: you're doing a lot of different things. Absolutely. And, and off kilter and, and off balance is, is like the homeostasis of sales, right? Um, how, yeah. how do you, <laughs> unfortunately in, in our profession, so how do you overcome the, the tough times, whether they're in sales or whether you're, you're maybe in a rut in sales, which probably never happened before, but we'll just talk hypotheticals here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wish I could
1: say that it hasn't happened. Um, it, 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 I feel like I was just actually getting over one right now over a slump and, Starting to get some momentum. I think for me, there's there's two things. One, you just have to fundamentally understand that in sales, just like if you played a sport or just like in life, there's ups and there's downs. And when you're killing it, you don't want to mess it up, right? You just want to like run with the momentum as clean as you can. Don't do anything to screw it up. And when you're going uphill and it seems like deals are falling off or your energy's off or you're getting a lot more no's than you uh, you know used to or whatever it might be you're missing quota for me that that always says go back to the fundamentals right so go back to uh you know the fundamentals of like am i sending enough emails am i making the right calls how's my attitude how's my energy level you know what does my morning routine look like am i getting enough sleep am i drinking water like it's to me it's not about making these big, huge fundamental shifts. When things go wrong, you want to just get back to doing the basics, doing the basics super well until you can start to get some momentum, get some small wins and let that add up.
0: Wow. I love that. And let that build that positive momentum build one little step at a time. Totally. Oh, that, totally. That's so great, man. So, so diving forward a little bit more into your professional career, I guess, uh, I saw you were sales manager for, for a little while as well. What, what kind of, what was the joy? I mean, I think I know the answer to this question already, but like, what was the biggest lesson in in being a sales manager? And and besides like helping people and seeing people succeed, but why should somebody go into management from an IC role?
1: Yeah, I mean, it it was a great experience and I hope to get back to that uh, point, that level in my career Uh, at some point, uh, you know, at Gong and and in my future. I think for me, the the biggest surprise that I had was, I was, this was a few years ago. And I thought, you know, I'm going to take these reps, their first time AEs, and I'm going to create this playbook. And we're just going to go out and we're just going to crush these deals. And we're going to just slam quota. And it's going to be a great time. And everyone's going to make money. And the reality of it was, you know, a weekend, two of the people on the team are dating and in a fight. Uh, (laughs) One person's uh, crying in the office because Uh, They have a ton of uh, student loans, six figures of student loans and can't handle the pressure of that. Another person is related uh, to my boss at the time, our VP of sales. So it's like, there were all these interpersonal connect like webs. And the hardest part was like, that's what a lot of time and energy was spent on because we're not rope, like salespeople aren't robots that you just plug into some spreadsheet. Like they're humans. And they have times where they're stressed out or they're anxious or they're super happy or they're motivated or unmotivated. And you have to deal with all of them individually. And I so super overlooked that going into it. And uh, it was a huge learning moment for me, for sure.
0: And what was the biggest lesson or, or just diving into that a little bit? How did you overcome some of the, that breaking through the interpersonal stuff and saying, let's get down to business here? What does that side of things look like?
1: Like once we get, like once we get past that and like get into the actual, like- I'm, uh, sa- I'm
0: saying like, how do, you, how do you cut through that? Like with those obstacles in front of mm-hmm. you? Like, yeah, we have these two people dating, but, and this is a struggle here, but bottom line is we need to get our job done. What is the strategy to try to lead through that?
1: I mean, I'll take any advice I can get from other people that might be listening to this, but but what <laughs> I what, I, what I Reach think, out to Tom. <laughs> yeah, he hit me up. uh What I think- you have to first show people that you care about them and you can build trust because if they think that you only care about the number and the quota and them making you look good and and making money, then they're not going to buy in on whatever it is that you have to say. So I actually think those conversations up front are super important. Um, Getting to know someone, right? What does motivate them? Where, where's their headspace? Are they trying to be the best rep in the company or Are they not sure that they're even right for sales and they're just trying to like go day by day or somewhere in between, right? And I think if you really get where people are coming from, what their ambitions are, where they're trying to go, where they're strong, where they're not as strong, then you can help guide them. And they know that when you're pushing them or you're asking something of them, it's in their best interest also. It's not just because you have this number both hanging over both of your heads. So um, I do think that you got to build trust. And when I think about, Leaders that I've worked for, like I want them to know what I'm all about and want to help me get to my next level. And if that's the case, then like you tell me to do something, I'm in. Like if I know that you have my best interest in mind, like I won't ask questions. Like let's just do this thing.
0: Wow, And I love that. And I, I for those not watching the video, I, I smiled there because literally I'm, I'm brand new at Vidyard when we're recording this, um, and I literally just had those same conversations with my leader of like, hey this is what I want to do. We just bought a house. I want to, you know, get it paid off in 10 years. I want to do this. I ultimately want to get into leadership at some point, you know, so it's funny that you say that, that I literally just had some of those conversations with, with my leadership here, but, um, talking about, um, that whole process. I mean, it sounds like you're literally going through the sales process with the people that you're working with of, okay, how do we build trust? Number one, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's like fundamental sales. 101. learn what they want, learn what's driving them, what motivates them. To me, when you were ta- when you were mentioning that, it sounds like you're going through a sales process. So do, do you think now that you, because you have a pretty interesting perspective. I don't know too many folks. I don't know too many people personally, rather, that went from the IC role to management back to IC again. Um, how has that leadership, some of those skills helped you propel in your growth role at Gong right now as well?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. And just to to touch on that, also, um, you know, I was a player coach uh, when I was there at Tech Target, so I was doing both jobs. I had, a, you know, a, a three or four million dollar uh, number as a rep, and then I had somewhere between three to five reps that I was also managing. And so, at some point, that was unsustainable. Um, and so, I did. I just want to touch on this: that I did intentionally take a step back to hopefully take three steps forward. Um, and try to get somewhere that I believed in, like Gong uh, at the IC level, which may on a resume not look good that you you drop down. But I think if you're in the right spot, like, like Vidyard's a great company as well, um, it, it allows you to propel forward. So I did want to just kind of like dismantle that myth that you can't do something like that. I think if you're in the right place um, and growing, that that can be sometimes a good decision. Um, but to answer your actual question, I think... It just helps to give me perspective. Once you've been in the actual shoes of a manager, you know what they're looking for more easily. You know what might frustrate them. You know what might make you uh, their kind of like right hand man or woman, right? Um, And make them trust you. And so I think it's just made me a little bit have a little bit more empathy for the managers out there that. Like, man, they just get kind of like, the sales managers get a tough rap on LinkedIn and stuff, you know, it's just being like dashboard managers and stuff like that. <laughs> or driving, t-
0: driving the Corvette or the Mustang, right? Like- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a, it, is, it is
1: sincerely a tough job. Um, and I think it just helped kind of give me empathy for that um, so that I could hopefully be a better rep and a better person, you know, a better employee because of it.
0: So do you think that that's going to help you as well? I mean, and it's not like kissing ass or anything, but like you're, you're able to have a good relationship with the management and understand what they're coming from. Do you think that that's going to set you up for your management future at Gong as well or, or wherever else your career takes you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of it. And like, I think this is an a very, very underrated part of people. All week long, I get DMs from people about something I did with the podcast, asking questions about, Career growth, things like that, and I think something that's super underrated is you have to be. Let's take put numbers aside. You have to hit your quota, obviously, that should go without saying. But you have to be someone that your boss or your boss's boss sees as super valuable and really trusts. And there's something that I learned from an author named Ryan Holiday. I'm not sure yeah. if you're. Yeah, your oh, yeah. smile. Obstacles, Sorry, the, you're Obstacles
0: in. the way is one of my favorite books. Yeah.
1: Okay. Me too. And he calls it the canvas strategy, uh, which long story short, if you clear the path for the person ahead of you, right, if you make the life of your manager easier and that helps them propel their career, well, guess who's going to be following right in their footsteps? The person that helped them out. And I don't think that people think about, I think people think about it in the reverse. What can my manager do for me to help me in my career? Which is fair. But if you start thinking about them, and their goals and ways that you can make their life easier and avoid different obstacles, I, I think that's a really good strategy to help
0: you get ahead. A million percent, I totally agree with that, and I think too of like having that success is a byproduct of helping the other people like you're still achieving that same goal that you're looking for, but you're still putting more of the good out there and uh, I truly believe that all that good's going to come back to you too so um, so I'd love that, man so let, let's dive a little bit deeper into into gong right now. Um, I love that you're on the growth side of things. What are some of the the biggest skills that you've learned? I mean, Gong is growing like crazy. Um, And I'm sure you could probably dive into the numbers of of whatever it was. But um, what does it feel like to be a growth rep at a a hyper growth SaaS company?
1: Yeah, man, it's it's an amazing opportunity. Um, You know, we've had amazing growth at Gong. It's an amazing place to be just surrounded by all-stars all over the place. Specifically as a growth rep, for some of these really fast-growing SaaS companies, um, and Gong has been historically uh, fast-growing in the the first four or five years of the company, most of that comes from landing new customers, right? That's always the focus early on. Let's get new customers in the door. Let's put all our efforts in marketing, demand gen, SDRs, commercial reps, like let's get these deals. Let's start small and then we'll, we'll get into the enterprise. That's the game plan for most companies. Well, there gets to be a point where you have all you have hundreds or even thousands of customers and you are not reaping all of the you know kind of rewards so to speak from those customers Using the lemon, and that's right? the point yeah exactly and that's where um gong is right now um it, it, it's a combo of having so many customers that aren't utilizing us to their full potential as well as the product evolving and being more relevant for teams that didn't initially buy it like customer success, like business development, marketing, things like that, um, that as a growth rep really gives you, you know, a lot of ammo and a lot of, you know, kind of swagger to go into a customer that is loving the product already and try to open up new opportunities to help expand them to solve other problems that they have that they might not even know that Gone can solve. So I think as a growth rep, uh, that's exactly the type of situation you're looking for.
0: Wow, I love it. And I I resonate with that completely. I, for those people who are out there listening at from the SaaS space, I'm sure you could you really understand this too. But um, we're in the same position of Vidyard, and it's uh it is a great feeling to be able to say, hey, if you love the product here, we could teach you. There's so many other different ways that you could do it. So yeah. that, that's what I love about it too. Um, so that, that's so great, man. And, and one other question, because I, I want to start diving into some of the the podcast side of things too, because you have some, uh, I have a list here of incredible guests that you've had, just to name a few that, you know, that you had at the top of your LinkedIn. But have you, before we jump into the podcast, have you ever gonged, if that's a word, is that a word, gonged? gonged? Uh, it is now.
1: Yeah, it's okay. a verb.
0: Okay, yeah. So have you ever gonged a podcast to assess yourself on like your talk ratios and asking questions? Or feedback? You ever use it for that? That's such a good question. I don't. Um, I actually have some customers
1: in marketing that have like company podcasts, and they use it for that. Um, I don't only because if I upload my my Gong calls truthfully, if I upload it to Gong, then that will kind of like show up in like our pipeline reports, and you know, if let's just say I have uh, someone that's the VP of sales at some random at Salesforce or something, then all of a sudden that's going to get like triggered into the Salesforce reps (laughs) like deal. And so, um, I imagine that, that wouldn't be very clean. Um, and so uh, I kind of keep, uh, I just in general with my career, I like to keep things kind of church and state between who I'm working for and then what I'm doing on the side. So, um, but, but there, there would be some great analytics to to check out. I'm sure.
0: So any of those marketing folks who have their podcast, here's a plug of go check out your gong, make sure that you are, uh, not talking too much and have that good talk ratio. So there, there's the plug there. Um, absolutely. <laughs> so let's, do, let's dive into the millennial sales podcast. Why did you start this? Um, just to give everybody know, uh, you know, you mentioned that you started the podcast to help young salespeople make the most out of their careers. And each week you're interviewing two sales leaders for the podcast and also writing a newsletter here too. So, um, just documenting the journey and learning yourself. So why did you start the podcast?
1: Yeah, so I started uh, the podcast a, a little over four years ago. We're um, about two hundred and fifty plus episodes, a few hundred blog posts and newsletters, and and all of that uh, in the last four years. But I started with I was living with a really good friend of mine uh, who's also a sales rep, uh, and we were young and ambitious and didn't really have a good outlet for like, you know, all this extra energy that we had. Um, I remember like emailing a bunch of CEOs to ask for 15 minutes of coffee for me to pick their brain uh, and literally no one would ever respond because I was 23. And like, why would they? Yeah. Um, So we, we were, we were listening to podcasts. We were listening to, you know, the earlier days of like Joe Rogan or Tim Ferriss or some of those pods that have been around for a while. And we're like, Oh, we could do this. And uh, so we really just, we bought, you know, a couple cheap microphones, our first episode, we went to my boss at the time's apartment with a six-pack of beer, uh, put a recorder on the middle of the table, uh, and we talked for an hour about sales and you know business and mindset, and um, you know decided to go from there. And uh, it's been a long journey since there, uh, and uh, there's been a few name changes, there's been a few direction changes with everything, but that's how it all started, and um, truly one of the best decisions I've, I've ever
0: made. I I a million percent agree with you. And I I started mine for some of the same reasons. And it's really amazing how you could talk to, it's literally an excuse to talk to people that you, I I tell people all the time that you probably shouldn't be talking to, or that wouldn't have a reason to talk to them otherwise. Right. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, like that's, that's what it's all about. You, you learn so much and people say, Hey, how do you get these people on your podcast? You know? And, and, uh, it's like, it's really not that hard because people love to talk about themselves and they love to promote their book or their company or whatever it is that they're doing. And so um, that's how you get, you know, we've we've, we've had, you know, Jordan Belford on, we've had some, you know, gold medalist athletes on and best-selling authors. And, you know, if you give people a chance to promote themselves, then, um, you know, the the, the chances are relatively high, they're going to show up.
0: And I hear I hear a big lesson coming through this, Tom, and I, I like to kind of like hear throughout the course of the, the episode of what some of the main core concepts are that I know you talked about goals a lot, um, but the other thing that you're talking about is putting other people first and mm-hmm. putting other people first. Sounds like it, it's been, it's allowed you to win in so many different areas of your life.
1: Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent there's, there's a concept that I hold uh, pretty near and dear called, yeah, it's simple. 5149 every interaction that you have with someone, and let's stick with sales for now, but this applies to life. Every interaction you have should hopefully be more valuable for the other person than for you. right? Before you ask for a call, you got to offer something valuable. Before you book the next meeting, they need to have found whatever you had to say insightful. right? Before they sign the contract, they need to know that what you are selling is going to Help whatever problem solve, whatever problem they have, or bring them to a brighter future, whatever it might be. Um, and I think that goes the same with the person that's, you know, taking your order at Starbucks. It's the same for your friends, same for your relationships. Like in every interaction, you want to be the person that gives more than they take. And I just, it's like there's no like direct ROI on that, but I just have seen so many people build really successful careers and lives. When that get when those tiny moments get stacked for years and years and years on top of each other.
0: Wow, that was such a that is super powerful. Everybody should be focusing in on that fifty one forty nine lifestyle. Uh, I love that, and I love and, I, and when you're talking about this, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to snip this up and, and post it on LinkedIn. <laughs> cause this is um, this is how we think, um, and and that's uh, that's definitely one of those moments. So, um, what is the, what would you say is the biggest lesson that you learn from any of your podcast guests, you don't have to, you know, if you want to say their names or not, that's totally cool too. Um, I'm a true believer that I use these almost like Adam Posner, uh, of saying, Hey, these are like my masterclasses, my own personal mm-hmm. master classes that I'm sharing with like-minded community. But selfishly, a lot of the, a lot of the things are, are, are asked to try to just learn for ourselves too. What's the biggest lesson you learned from some of your podcast guests?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's so many to, to, Call out, so I I almost feel bad, like you know, singling out one or two. Um, For me, and this is just a personal answer. um, I got to I mentioned my grandfather earlier. uh, I got to actually interview him uh, on his 80th birthday uh, a couple years ago, and he hosted everyone, our whole family, like all the grandkids and his kids and everyone uh, where he lives in South Carolina. We all got together for a couple days, and you know, did some birthday stuff, and. I interviewed him as part of that uh, for a good hour, hour and a half. And was this, this is the so guy that of everybody? was?
0: Was this in front of everybody? Uh,
1: we we did it. We did it solo. Uh, we did it solo. my sister was there. We, she took some pictures, but we didn't want the whole crowd. Everyone listened to after. Uh, but um, you know, we had a great a, a great conversation. This is a guy that you know grew up dirt poor. Um, he's been it was a salesperson and an entrepreneur. Uh, you know, for the last however long, forty years. You know, was married to my grandmother for 50 years before she passed away. Just like someone that I look up to in a lot of respects. And um, the next day, I know this is a long story, but just stick with me for this. For the next day, it's his, it's his birthday. And usually on, you know, there's a cake and it's like says, happy birthday, grandpa or whatever. But instead, he bought the cake for everyone else and he wrote on it, be bold and dream as like, that was his message to, you know, the grandkids and to everyone else. And, uh, and and we talked about that. And he's like that, that's, you know, if I could sum up like what, you know, how to live a good life in the next, you know, 60 years, um, do those things, like be bold, like go for it and dream, you know, like, don't hold yourself short and don't sell yourself short and and get after it and go for what you want to do. And don't limit yourself. And so, Maybe a cheesy answer. It's not Jordan Belford. It's not Chris Voss. But that's one that you know I think about that almost every
0: day. Wow, I love that. And I think I love the concept of of uh, interviewing your family members too, because I'm sure there's things that you learn about them that you probably never would have thought of, or you know you you hear in those situations where like if you're at a, a funeral, not to get too morbid, but like you're at a funeral, you hear all these amazing stories about them. Like yeah. wow, I probably could have learned that if I would have just not been afraid to ask the question. So maybe this is a good reminder to, to just maybe. To connect with some of those people that you really want to learn their stories from as well, and and you could always learn. I'm glad that you got that lesson because that's great for everybody.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, I think how often do we overlook? You know, me and you are having like a a one hour conversation here. We're both deeply engaged. We're ready. Uh, we're ready to get you know authentic and and vulnerable. But oftentimes we don't do that with the people that are are you know closest to us um, maybe until it's too late. So again, you know, not trying to get too heavy here, uh, for your audience, but, but I think it's, a, <laughs> I do think it's here soon, Tom. <laughs> I do. I do. I do think it's a good reminder, uh, to, to make sure you're having those conversations with people. Uh, we've all been siloed from friends and family for the last year and a half. Like that's just the reality of the world, uh, where we've been. And so, uh, you know, if that's what you, if that's what you take from this podcast, then I'd say we, we spent some good time here in this hour.
0: Absolutely. Oh, there's so many good things here. I can't wait to run this one back and, and kind of listen to it and, and, and take take some some pretty great notes. So I uh, want to dive quickly into as we start to wrap up here. Um, I told you before I'm writing this book, All Roads Lead to Sales and How Sales Skills Are the Foundations to a Successful Life. Um, reason being is, as you mentioned, a lot of the things that you talked about are skills that you learn in sales that make your life better or that you learn in life and that make your, your you know, back and forth, right? What, why do you think someone should start their career in sales or in, in what kind of skills would somebody come out with as a result of doing it? So I, I almost think that every, that should be a
1: requirement for, for someone <laughs> that they have to spend a period of time uh, in their life, either in sales or a customer support or some sort of customer uh, job facing like that, job, right? customer facing type of job. And, and here's why it's what you say is completely true. Sales is, is life. It it really is. It's like, it's the psychology. It's, you know, having empathy for people. It's asking good questions. It's connecting it's problem solving. It's having a goal. Um, it's overcoming fear. It's, it's all of these different things that, um, you know, you can, you can take the lessons that you learn from, uh, a sales job and, and apply them to to air, pretty much any area of life. Like here's a here's a good example. Um, I am recently uh, in somewhat recently engaged, and you know planning a wedding and thank you, thank you, uh, planning a wedding and planning life and all that stuff. And as you can imagine, when you're planning a future with someone, there's a lot of big questions that come up, right? Um, like I think some of the things in sales have taught me to be better in those conversations, right? Ask a question and then shut up and listen, (laughs) right? Like you don't need to like make your point and like speak over the other person. You wouldn't do that with a customer. Why are you doing it in your personal relationships? Right. Think about that gong talk ratio. (laughs) You don't want to be talking, you don't want to be talking over, uh, you know, your partner, whoever it is. Right. Um, and I just think some of those, some of those interpersonal skills, um, no matter what you want to be successful in, even if it's not sales, even if it's something completely different, you want to be able to have those, those interpersonal, the psychological skills um, and really just, man, the persistence and fortitude that you need to get through a shitty day or, or a tough quarter. Um, well, all of those things will translate. So I'm with you. I'm ready to write the ba- a blurb on the back of your book because uh, I, I believe
0: wholeheartedly in that idea. Oh, dude, I love it so much. And I always get so pumped talking to other like-minded folks because I- I've talked to the Victor Antonio's and the John Barrows and the Lori Richardson's, like, you know, pretty much all of the- Legends. Yeah, I mean, the, the top of the top from the sales perspective. And, and they're all in the same motion of like, we need to do something to get sales in younger. You know, everybody needs to be in sales at some point. So I, it's my, this is my little portion and, I, and you're doing it with your podcast and trying to get people out in front of it. You don't know unless you're selling Cutco that you could yeah, you, that sales is even a viable career, right? Like most people don't understand how totally. sales, how great sales is, how lucrative. Not only from a sale, we'll talk about it from a skill perspective, like you just mentioned, but from a financial perspective too. Everybody thinks these doctors and lawyers are are the ones that are you know making it big. They are, but sales. They, some salespeople that I know are blowing those things away from like, if you're just talking from a finances perspective. So there's so many different things besides that, but just the skills focusing on the skills alone, like how beneficial would it be if that was part of your high school curriculum so that you're interviewing for colleges, or if you're in, if you're in college, having it as a prerequisite course of, you know, you're taking your language, you're taking your, your gym set, your gym classes, but you're also learning sales because no matter if you're in marketing, product marketing. I'm sorry. You know, if you're if you're an engineer, you need to sell your idea to other people to think it's interesting. If you're a doctor, you're selling, uh, you're selling medic medicine, not specifically, but why people should take prescriptions or why they should do your your exercise or whatever. There's so many different practical yeah. reasons, like or just to do a job interview. That's selling yourself one hundred one, right?
1: Totally. A first date. I mean, everything. You know, it's like <laughs> it, it all it all ties back. And just to touch on the financial piece, because I. I posted about this today, yes. um, like financial literacy you if you come out of, out of school, and I remember uh, I got my first sales job out of school, I was making 40k uh, a year, which is not a lot of money. and I had a lot of friends that were going to PWC and consulting firms, making about double that. Um, and you can you can take that 40 or 50 or whatever you make coming out of school, and you can double triple quadruple it. In a, in a few years, and so um, one, if you want financial independence, which I think we all do, um, it's a great opportunity for that. You control your own destiny uh, to a large extent. But I would also recommend, like, you got to get your you got to get your financial knowledge up, because if all of a sudden you've got like you know an extra couple ten grand in the bank, right. um, it's probably good to understand what you can do with that money, right? Like you could go and, and buy yourself a Porsche or an Audi or something nice. You could go, you could save it up for a house. You could invest it in Bitcoin or in the stock market or real estate, or there's an infinite amount of things you can do. And there's no right answer or wrong answer. But if you just know the how the game is played and you're prepared for that situation, you'll be able to spend, you know, use that money in the right way for you. Um, just like You know, they're they're trying to teach all these like, uh, you know, athletes that end up going from, you know, uh, you know, rags to riches overnight. It's just about having that knowledge before you get there so that you can make the right decisions.
0: Yeah, I mean, and literally, that's the exact example I was thinking of when you're saying this. Like, there's so many athletes who who just come into this crazy amount of money and then it's gone. It's like gone before you even know it. Like, how do you? How if you don't have the education around it, it's so crucial, and that's that's with anything you do. So that's why I'm I'm a true believer of one the financial literacy, and I'm excited to pick up that book that you you posted earlier. Uh, what was that for the listeners?
1: Psychology of Money. It's a great book. It's a great book because oftentimes people get into, and I have a you know, budget and a spreadsheet and stuff, and that's most of like the the knowledge that you might get uh, around personal finance, but. Your decision to like buy something or not doesn't happen on a spreadsheet. It happens in your head. And so that's why I really like the psychology of money. It's really good.
0: Wow. I love that. And thank you so much for, for that as well. That, that's been so great. Tom, I want to ask you one more question that I love asking every single guest because I, I love the answers that I hear. If you were teaching a college 101 class based upon any of your life experience, whether it's work, whether it's um, your tennis career, wh- whatever the case is, what would you teach and why? So it would 100%
1: be about the growth mindset. And I'll tell you a short story. I remember, I don't know if you can relate to this or not, but throughout growing up, I was a B, B B-minus student. I was the sixth man on the basketball team. I was pretty good at a lot of things and not very good at a few things. Um, And I thought that's just kind of how I was made. And I came across the book, uh, two books, To Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill and mindset by Carol Dweck, which is about growth mindset. And it, it blew my brain like out of my head. Uh, because what it taught me was that you can, you're not defined by what your natural characteristics are. You can actually get better. So all of those kids that I used to look up to for being the smart kids or the athletic kids or the, this, this Naturally person or gifted, that person. Right. Right. right is like in we all had a friend in high school that never studied and got straight a's and i oh, yeah. you know Bre- brendan day is that guy for me and god he was <laughs> a out good to friend Brandon. but he <laughs> man he would, he would really frustrate me but um that that taught me that the harder that i work the more that i work at it the better that i can actually get at these things and like if i want to be successful i can do that i just have to work at it and um it sounds super simple i didn't understand that till i was you know probably 23 24 years old and uh, i
0: wish someone taught me that when i was you know 12 years old i love that the growth mindset and somebody please go tell ben simmons that he he is that de- he's the definition to me of one of, i'm a, i'm right outside of philly so please somebody <laughs> tell him he was that gifted guy who doesn't want to learn how to shoot he's the definition of fixed mindset so somebody has to go tell him to go and and learn that as well so sorry i had to get my my anger out there he as a he needs a psych-
1: he needs a sports psychologist
0: yes Get in the damn growth mindset, please, Ben. Thank you so much. <laughs> Tom, this has been so great, man. Uh, and thank you for the rant there. I, I'll send you the, the check in the mail for the, um, uh, for the therapy there. Um, <laughs> where can people learn more about you and what you have going on?
1: Yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm not hard to uh, to get a hold of. The best place is probably LinkedIn, uh, Tom Malemo uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, Tommy Tahoe. And uh, like you mentioned, I got the millennial sales podcast going out every week. uh, So you can catch that on Apple or Spotify uh, or YouTube and um, give me a shout. I'd I'd love to hear what's going on in your world um, and see if I can help out. Like I said, that's one of my passions is trying to help other people succeed. So uh, give me a shout. LinkedIn's probably the best spot.
0: Tom, there's so much that you taught me and helped me as well. So this is your good deed of the day. Thank you so much, man. (laughs) Appreciate it, Tyler. Thank you so much for listening in to today's episode. I've been really getting some great feedback from listeners and many have left a rating and review on Apple podcast as well. If you enjoy the show, I would really appreciate if you could leave a review as well. It truly goes a very long way in spreading the word for our guest. and also allows me to continue to bring on more incredible guests and onto the show. Stay tuned for next week's episode. Thank you so much, everyone.